Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And in this episode, I have another interview for you guys as I present a recent discussion I had with none other than BJ Novak, the writer, director, star of the new dark comedy, Vengeance. Vengeance is the directorial debut of Novak, who's probably best known as Ryan Howard from The Office. He also flexed his filmmaking muscles on that show as writer and director of a number of episodes. But Vengeance is the first time Novak has written and directed a feature film. Vengeance tells the story of a writer slash podcaster from New York City who, through some weird mix-up, finds himself at a funeral in rural Texas, where he hopes to develop a premise for his next big podcast. While there, he meets some unique folks and fully immerses himself in Texas culture for better and worse. In the discussion, Novak explains why he chose Vengeance for his directorial debut, as well as what it was like working with some of his stars, such as Boyd Holbrook, Ashton Kutcher, and John Mayer. Yes, that John Mayer. He also talks about the potential reunion for The Office and what he has coming next. But before I get to the interview, i got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, with that all out of the way, here's my interview with writer-director star BJ Novak, whose new film Vengeance arrives in theaters on July 29th. Enjoy. Folks might know you primarily for your acting credits, but you've been doing the whole writing and directing thing on TV for quite a while now. Um, so I'm going to assume this isn't your first feature film you've written, you know, in your in your time. Um, what makes Vengeance the one that actually got to screen? And why did you decide that this is the one you want to direct? This, I wrote three screenplays um, when I uh, was done with The Office. And um, I finished them on the same day because I kept going between them. And um, um, I like them all. One was um, a sort of uh, uh, sort of a hard PG, I call it. Um, <laughs> a, um, you know, a comedy about um, you know a class of kids and their teacher. Um, another that I wrote for Zach Galifianakis um, in mind, and I spoken to him about it. I said, before I write this, would you be interested? He said, sure. So I wrote that, and uh, then I also wrote. Um, a really, really dark, um, but I think moving comedy. Um, uh, and based on the, the true story of a guy who went to Tijuana to kill himself, uh, had a crazy blowout weekend and then decided to live. Um, I thought, well, that's a great R-rated comedy. And then I wrote Vengeance, uh, which was the, the hardest one to, to put in a category, uh, even of these three that were all a little genre bending. So um, by the way, I still hope to make those other two, but um, that that was the least likely one in my opinion, um, and it was the first to get made. I think because it was it was distinct and cheap, 
to be honest. Um, <laughs> I had a meeting, a general meeting with Cooper Samuelson, uh, the top exec at Blumhouse. And uh, he said, what are you working on? And I said, these three movies. And he said, let's make Vengeance because they're Blumhouse. It's called Vengeance. There you go. Basically, he was like, uh, send me the script. And if I like it and we can do it for $5 million, let's just do it. That's the Blumhouse model. They, they take bets on first-time directors they believe in. Uh, on projects that are cheap enough that it's okay if some fail, as long as once in a while you get a get out. Um, so I think the combination of it was it was distinct and it was cheap. There you and, go. And I, I found Blumhouse just at the right time. Yeah. So this is a film in one sense, in a, a basic sense, about a guy from New York City experiencing Texas for the first time and kind of confronting his preconceived notions of the South. Yeah. Um, while prepping... I, I believe you're a gentleman from the Northeast. Yep. Did you go deep dive into Texas culture? And uh, why did Texas kind of stick out as the place that this film had to be set? Um, yeah, I researched it really, really meticulously, which is its own version of an East Coast uh, way to approach things. I, I thought of Texas because, you know, I had the premise of the movie, which is a guy who is pulled somewhere he does not want to go. Um, and then realizes there's a story there and he should stay. It's his And big. you're like, Texas. Well, I, yeah, I looked at a map and I was thinking, well, probably like, you know, uh, what's your typical small town America, you know, Indiana, I don't know. And, uh, you know, Texas had an unfair advantage on that map because it takes up like a third of the map. <laughs> and, um, and at first I thought, well, that's too hacky. That's too obvious, you know, Texas. It's like such a big mythological movie place. And then I thought, well, that's, first of all, I don't know anything about the real Texas. And second, that's why my character would um, feel there's something there, you know, because Texas is, um, is an exciting place. So, um, you know, and then I, I researched Texas movies and there aren't as many as I thought, but the ones that, that are Texas movies are, are really something. So I thought, wow, do I have a chance to try to, to make a Texas movie and do right by it? And then Texas became a big character in the movie. But I had the idea, it was called Vengeance long before I thought of Texas, which is funny in retrospect, because I feel like in a way you can only make a, a Vengeance movie about Texas. Texas is, has vengeance in its DNA, yeah. you know, starting with, starting with the Alamo. Yeah, which is hilarious. There's, a, there's an Alamo moment in the movie, which, which got me to laugh out loud, which I was- oh, Great. Yeah. I just played the movie at the Alamo Draft House. <laughs> And there used to be, Ben used to try to save that moment by um, making a joke about how, you know, now they get the Alamo draft. <laughs> um, and it got cut from the movie, but I'm going to try to send it to them as an exclusive. That would be fun. Yeah. Exactly, you know, my guy, my, my character is a guy who knows he's, he's been to Texas once. He thinks he'd been to Texas because he went to Austin for South by. And he knows <laughs> more about the Alamo draft house than he does about the Alamo. Yeah. Yeah. And I love just calling it South by by the way. That's just such a thing. Granny knows damn well what South by is. I mean, (laughs) surprised constantly there. Yeah. So you're doing the writer director thing. This is your first time doing the director thing for a feature film, but then you're like, I'm going to star in this movie too. Mm -hmm. So was there ever a version of this movie where you didn't take on that role? And, uh, or was this always the plan for you to, to lead the cast? Um, it was, it was always the plan, although it made me, uh, uh, terrified. Um, but I, it was the plan because I felt, um, the, it was for the same reason I wanted to direct. I, the tone was very specific and the character is very specific. I mean, he's a very unlikable guy in some ways, but he also has, um, 
you know, some redeeming qualities that really need to be brought out and, and um, he needs to grow and, and have some heart. He can't just be completely unlikable the whole way through. You know, we need to see him uh, grow. And here's a guy, they keep saying heart sees heart to him. And he thinks, so this is a terrible misunderstanding until he thinks, what if they're right? So I think portraying that balance of likable and unlikable um, and the pacing of the humor, all these things, I thought um, it would be so stressful to try to um, direct another actor in this role. Even though I'm not the best actor in the world, um, I should probably just do it myself. No, there you go. Uh, Speaking of likable and unlikable, you got Boyd Holbrook. And this isn't to say he's an unlikable guy, but in movies, he typically plays unlikable guys. Uh, and- I mean, in, in Logan, I cast him because of Logan. Yeah. I saw him in Logan and I thought, oh my God, he has such a, a sense of humor, even in playing this villain. And um, so, yeah. So is that why, was it the Logan performance where you're like, I can make this guy have sincere heart and, and you know, some emotion too? Um. I cast him in Logan because I could see what a great actor he was. And I also, honestly, I liked his look. I pictured us um, funny in a truck together, you know, um, this <laughs> yeah. tall, handsome, blonde guy and and this sort of um, plaid shirted writer from New York. Um, I thought it was a funny image. And, it, you know, I, I sometimes thought of me and Boyd as, um, you know, he's the Vince Vaughn to my John Favreau in um, Swingers. You know, I liked the idea that we looked different and, you know, and he's a real actor's actor. In the same way Ashton hadn't done drama, uh, Boyd hadn't done comedy. So I liked the idea of turning turning those um, actors' expectations on their head. Yeah, so you mentioned him, and I want to talk about what everybody knows you from, which is punked. Um, uh, kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> look, for a while, I thought I'd be the guy from punked for the rest of my life, and I was very happy with that. Yeah, I thought yeah. punked was the coolest job in the world. And, um, and at the moment, for, you know, for the three months I was on it, I was more famous for that than I've been for anything since. I mean, MTV was everything back then. It was like talk. Oh know. yeah. Oh yeah. If, if you're from, I, I, I'm going to probably date myself and yourself. If our generation, uh, it was, it was everything in those reruns, but what that did though, is I, I'm going to assume it introduced you to Ashton Kutcher who mm-hmm. now has a pretty major role in this movie. And I kind of likened him as a kind of a cowboy hippie philosopher. Yeah. Um, so right. why, why Ashton Kutcher, the guy who you said hasn't really done drama, why is he your cowboy hippie philosopher? Because um, Ashton has always been underestimated. And I needed a character who was um, underestimated. My, my character goes to visit him thinking, oh my God, this, this goofball, um, you know, pretentious uh, a uh, music producer in the middle of nowhere. I, this will be a great character for my story. And he needs to leave that place blown away that he, um, you know, ashamed that he judged this person because he's smarter than he is. And what I knew about Ashton was that it's easy to underestimate him because he's, um, you know, so such a likable, um, you know, romantic comedy lead, that 70s show, all of that. But in fact, he is this, you know, incredibly intelligent, even hypnotic uh, thinker. And everyone who has followed, you know, the tech world knows he's been at the forefront of every investment. And I saw even back in the day on Punked, you know, he was behind the scenes calling all the shots. So I knew um, that, yeah, this is someone who could, could be underestimated and then blow you away, which is what I wanted him to do in the film. 
And he does. I, I do love the moment where you're not to give anything away, but your character's sitting there listening to him. And they, like you said, you don't know anything about him. He, he kind of looks goofy. And then he says some stuff and you're like, everybody, I think, is kind of taken aback. It's a it's a really great moment. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, my character, um, you know, rolls his eyes when um, when he says um, he wants to talk about how the universe started. Yeah. And uh, he's he's he really sells that speech. And yes. uh and helps turn the movie on its head. Yeah. So I talk to a lot of filmmakers and I always get the feeling that each project is kind of a learning experience for them, uh, even for the most experienced directors. And you're somebody who has a lot of acting experience, a lot of writing experience, a lot of TV experience. But I got to assume, even though you had a good idea what you're getting yourself into, this was a learning experience. Oh, yeah. So what was the one thing you think is like the most surprising aspect of this shoot where you were like, oh, damn, I didn't even think of that? Oh, um. Uh, a lot of little things. I think um, um, there are things that are hard to articulate that you just need your 10,000 hours in and they tend to be about um, uh, the collaboration. Um, the the best way, you know, I think the best thing to do is, is to really practice um, conveying what excites you to a talented department head because you can't, you know, let's say it's your costume designer. Um, you can't just delegate, do whatever you want. They don't know the vision of the film that you're doing for everybody else. But you also can't dictate the costume if you're me, because you don't have a great sense of style. Yeah. <laughs> so I think just navigating um, exactly how to communicate something to someone that they both know your vision and can add their own creativity is, um, is the thing that every filmmaker should practice. And I, I hope to keep getting better at that. Yeah. So with that in mind, I want to transition a little to the music or just music in general, because you have a couple musical iconic people involved with this movie. First one, John Mayer. Mm -hmm. um, he has one scene in the movie and it's right at the beginning and it's great. So did it take much convincing for him to do a scene where he's basically just an asshole? Um, no, because we hang out a lot and um, do our version of what's in that movie. And I hope that it's better than what we put on screen. We intended to kind of satirize ourselves. We often go out and, um, and you know, um, think we have it all figured out, you know, talking about theories and this and that. And afterwards, I'm like, what the fuck were we talking about? Like, we <laughs> think we know things, we don't know anything. And um, so I thought, well, I have to show my character at the beginning thinking he's pretty cool, um, but the audience knows he's not quite. And um, I thought, well, that's kind of like, what's his version of hanging out with John Mayer? And I thought, well, you know, maybe he could be hanging out with John Mayer. So I asked John if he'd play kind of a version of himself or a guy a lot like him to the audience. And, um, you know, I think in that Curb Your Enthusiasm way, it's cool to kind of show that you're in on the joke about yourself by making yourself kind of a, a funnier and, and worse version. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think yeah. he really enjoyed that. He's a very, very funny guy. And he improvised a lot of those lines. Yeah, I was going to say he seemed very natural in doing yeah. it and and not in a bad way, not like a natural a-hole or anything. But like, no, he, he's reading it. It was be natural. Yeah. 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 So uh, the other musician that's involved that I that come eye is Phineas, uh, yeah. Phineas O'Connell, who does the score. Um, yeah. People might not know him by name, but he's the the co-writer of all of Billie Eilish's music, and he's won awards, Grammys, Oscars, even I think. So, yeah. so how did how did you get Phineas, and why Phineas? 
Other um, than you wanted one of the greatest pop stars or pop writers working on um, I was, um, uh, this also comes back to John Mayer. Um, and I was uh, at John's house. He was recording uh, this Instagram live show he does called Current Mood. And he had Phineas on the show. So I wanted to come by because I'm a fan of his. And I texted my um, producer on the movie, Nikki Kraft, who is a... Um, is a big Phineas fan. I said, I, I just met Phineas, um, such a great guy. And he said, ask him to score vengeance. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not going to ask him to score vengeance. He's like, you know, one of the great musicians is my first movie. And, um, you know, then I had a drink and I was like, Hey, Phineas, <laughs> uh, you ever think about doing movie scores? And he happened, I probably said it in a way more shy roundabout way as though I had no, um, ulterior motive. Um, but he locked right in and said, I'm dying to, to write a film score. I, you know, and, and we really bonded over the scores we liked. And, uh, I said, you know, I wrote this movie. Um, if you're ever interested, I could send you the script and, you know, like basically the next day he read it and said, I'd love to do it. Um, and then we had a great working relationship because it was his first score too. We're going back and forth, trying to figure out, uh, the tone of the movie, the, the palette, how often certain themes repeat and when it was really a movie that needed its own score because it's not quite a Western. It's not quite a comedy. It's not quite a throwback. Um, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's really a combination of tones in a fresh way. And so it really needed a musician of his level to, um, to pull that off. Yeah. And I think he does. So uh, I want to segue a little bit to Whataburger. Um, <laughs> Whataburger, is it pretentious to say, is a character in the movie? No. Um, <laughs> I grew up in the South and I love Whataburger. So I just got to thank you for nailing the whole vibe of a Whataburger. Uh-huh. Because it is one of those things where it's like people who don't go, they're like, oh, that looks, it's all orange and gross. Why, would, why do you care? And you're like, you just uh, love it. You just love it. Um, and that was, um, you know, that, that's what... Boyd's character even says to mine, um, you know, you just love it. And that's how love works. And, you know, this is a a guy who kind of needs, needs to kind of, um, that's not his instinct. You know, he's very analytical. You'd love a burger place because of the way they chop the onions. You know, that's not, that's not why people love Whataburger. It's something elusive. Well, and it doesn't hurt that it's open very late at night too. That so. does do a lot. Yeah. And the late night menu is the best thing about it, in it's my opinion. Very true. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't bring up The Office. Uh, it's definitely my favorite TV show. You're someone who's involved in the writing and, of course, the acting on that show for many years. Uh, I talked to Amy Ryan last year, and she seemed to think a reunion was just like a scheduling nightmare. So is it really just a pipe dream for people to hope for a Dunder Mifflin reunion at this point? Um. Well, I mean, yes, but um, pipe dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> you just dangle the carrot. Um, and also, uh, is it annoying yet with all the Ryan Howard comments I assume you get, like people calling you fire guy or something? No, because, um, because when we started the show, it was such an unlikely hit. And we really were the tiniest group of writers and actors making the quietest, quirkiest show. And the last thing we ever expected was that, you know, uh, at a rodeo, uh, everyone would know, you know, verbatim scenes that we were writing at the time. So I I just, I'll never stop being grateful that that show hit because it, it, 
if you had told me that back then, it, it would have seemed like the unlikeliest thing in the world. Yeah. So uh, you last year, you premiered the premise on FX to show you you're the mastermind behind. Uh, what else do you have going on? Because I assume this isn't A, going to be your last film and, and B, you're probably going back to TV at some point. So do you well, have anything you, you know, can tease? You know, um, I'm referring where people have been referring to it as my directorial debut. So if I don't do another movie, it's <laughs> going to be really embarrassing. So I really hope I get the chance. Um, but I am writing the next screenplay now for the next thing I want to do. And, um, and I'd love to do more TV um, as well at some point. And I'd like to write more books. I mean, I, I really, um, my problem is not lack of ideas. It's lack of execution. I get distracted by all my new ideas and then um, need to really force myself to finish one at a time. Do you have a tip for how to do that for those people that, that have all the ideas and can't quite execute? Um, no, I'm the worst at it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like the only writer in the world whose routine is like, I, um, I intend to write in the morning, beat myself up all day for not writing. And finally, out of shame uh, and caffeine, I write from three to 5 p.m. <laughs> like, <laughs> I recommend that to absolutely nobody. It has worked but there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. And just know somebody from Blumhouse. Is that kind of a key to that? Um, you no, know, I met Cooper from Blumhouse by tweeting. Um, the purge is the best premise since Jurassic park, which Thank I you. believe. And, um, and he just, you know, um, and of all things, he was a fan of my children's book because it was <laughs> a kid's favorite book. So he said, uh, thanks for saying that I'd love to meet. So, you know, it certainly wasn't saying something like that on Twitter. Certainly, I never thought it would lead to my directorial debut. That's awesome. It's funny how things work like that. But uh, I got to wrap up. I want to thank BJ Novak for joining me. It's great. Everybody go see Vengeance. Uh, despite the title and your love of The Purge, it, it might surprise people, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, all movies should surprise you, right? Yeah, definitely. But thank you so much. Thank you, man. Uh...